0: The ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Today's guest is Les Phillips, Ph.D. Dr. Phillips is a licensed psychologist in North Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Phillips.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you.
1: Then I'm going to segue over to energy psychology. Just a few breaths can really make a lot of difference. One of the, the fellows I would recommend to your, as a resource person to your listeners, if they're so inclined, is a, a neuroscientist named Andrew Uberman, H U B E R M A N. As I said, he's at, at Stanford, and his interest areas dovetail. Mine in this conversation quite well. He's interested in stress and he's interested in sleep. And so in the stress part, uh, what they do is they bring volunteers into their lab and they have them wear virtual reality goggles, and then they scare the mess out of them with whatever that person is afraid of. So if you're afraid of white sharks, you're wearing virtual reality monitor goggles that make you think you're swimming with white sharks, not in a cage, Swimming right towards you with their huge teeth bared. And then he monitors you, your heart rate and blood pressure and sweat response and all these other metrics of, of arousal and fear while you're doing that. And then he has you do different means of quickly calming the nervous system and he compares them and their effectiveness, kind of like a battle of the bands. There's a breathing technique from yoga called the sighing breath, like, ah. Uh, and his research suggests that two sniffs, like uh, keep your mouth shut and sniff in and fill the lower lobes and then deep sigh. A few of those is, was the champion of quickly resetting the nervous system of any other method of breathing or other things that he studied. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a good one. And it doesn't require a bunch of time and it tends to work well for a lot of things.
0: I'll have to keep that in mind the next time I'm swimming with sharks. (laughs) Well, Dr. Phillips, uh, energy psychology, please tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so energy psychology is a sort of a newer branch of psychology that's developed clinically over the last maybe 20 years or so. Still, with that being said, a lot of people have not heard of it, but most people have heard of energy medicine or energy medicine treatment methods. And so, again, you're well-trained in this, and you know that the human body is both electrical and chemical. And so in Western medicine, we tend to be more focused on getting the right chemical or the right molecule. So if we can get the right molecule for the COVID-19 virus, we can beat it. So we're working on you know, developing a, a vaccine or multiple vaccines for it. Many other medical traditions across the world focus more on the electricity in the body. Traditional Chinese medicine and the medicine of South Asia, so-called Ayurvedic medicine, are good examples of that, in which they're very interested in the electricity in the body. Their theory of cure and illness is more focused on that. So again, your listeners may have heard of this idea of energy rivers flowing through the body, so-called chi or ki or prana. And then there's meridians that are the sort of the rivers from which this life force energy flows. Then there are junction boxes for those meridians, if you will. And those tend to be acupuncture points. So acupuncture, acupressure, certain eating traditions, other kinds of Tai Chi, qigong practices like that are about restoring the flow of vital energy for healing in the body. And so energy psychology then is a sort of amalgam of that practice with more so-called traditional psychological things. So one of those methods that I use and that has become quite popular is a method called EFT, which stands for the Emotional Freedom Technique, but mostly people refer to it as tapping. And what it involves is tapping on where you would actually probably put some acupuncture needles in the head and face while out loud, typically, or with a with a therapist talking about the troubling symptoms. So, as an example, uh, sometimes I'll see people who are involved in in motor vehicle accidents, and perhaps they got in, into a, a wreck with a, somebody was driving a red car. Every time they see a red car, their heart goes up to 120 or 150 beats a minute and they feel sweaty and tense and fearful. And so we might use this tapping. We might do a setup in which we said, even though every time I see this red car, I feel this 10 out of 10 tension in my heart, something like that. And then we would go about tapping those acupressure points while the person is repeating that phrase or that reminder to them. And it, it's surprisingly effective. You would think it would not do anything, but more often than not, it will bring that 10 out of 10 down to a, an eight, and then a five, and then a three. And so you just do round after round while you're, again, saying reminder phrases or parts of the, the sort of internal dialogue except out loud while you're tapping these acupressure points. There are other energy psychology methods that are out there, but still kind of based on the idea that the theory of cure is the restoration of the vital energy or electrical flow in the body.
0: Just fascinating. I wanted to ask you some more. I, I, we could talk about this for a while, but for our time sake, I wanted to ask you about some other things. Recently, you put out some short videos on relaxation and calming techniques and I want to make sure our listeners have access to this, and we'll have it later on the podcast, and we'll also include it in some of our other uh, media outlets. But these are great techniques not only for patients, but I think for practitioners as well. What inspired you to create these videos?
1: The videos that came out recently were ones I actually recorded last year, and uh, I didn't get a chance to put them out. I really made them for for you. (laughs) Uh, Not you specifically, but my fellow Triangle Orthopedics, Emerge Ortho practitioners and employees, sort of as a a gift, I, I made them in the holidays. And my intention was to make four weekly ones. And it was in part a celebration of my 20 years with Emerge Ortho, and also celebrating 30 years of of clinical practice as a psychologist, I titled them, Would You Take Five Minutes? Because people are all the time telling me, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that. So I thought, well, gosh, what can you do in five minutes? Do you have five minutes to to calm yourself down? Do you have five minutes to learn to concentrate better? Do you have five minutes to learn to become a more peaceful person, a more grateful person? Would you take five minutes to learn some health behaviors that would help you be successful with any goals or New Year's resolutions that you set. So I made those and contacted our administration But last year, but we we had some miscommunication things and we never did get a chance to put them out. So we decided to do it again this year and we that's where they, they put out. And then some people approached me, they really liked them and said, would it be okay to just put these out for consumption on, on YouTube or some other outlet? And I thought, well, sure, why not?
0: And I've got to tell the people, you really should look at these and watch them. They're very helpful. Helpful for me. I haven't improved my golf game yet, but they have helped me to relax, especially with that guy that comes in at 725. And I hope everybody has time to take a look at these. They're they're really good. And uh, I appreciate you giving that to us well, for you. president. I, I thought they were just for me, but you know. That's just me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you kindly re-gifted them on to other folks as well.
0: Spoken like a great psychologist. Thank you for that. We could go on and on. This is fascinating for me, but for time's sake and our episodes, you've given us a lot of references, resources for further reading or videos or what have you. Do you have any other recommendations for people that might be interested more in this? And is there anything else you'd like to share?
1: Since since most of my work is, is with pain. I think it's helpful to have a, a common understanding of pain. And as I said, and, and I, 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 this is not a shortcoming of, of medicine to say, I have a bad shoulder or a bad knee or a bad back. You may well. And certainly we can use imaging technology and prove that. But as I said a while ago, when the pain persists, it's more complicated than that. And it makes it harder to make the pain go away by only repairing that joint or that segment of the spine. And so if you can broaden your understanding of pain, that's very helpful. And one of the best ways that I know to do that is to get some other training. I always tell people, I'm from Missouri. It's the show me state. So don't believe what I say. Research it on your own. Show yourself. But there is a really good, easy little TED talk to listen to. And if, you're, if your readers are familiar, TED, TED stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design. And these are somewhere between 10 and 20 minute talks by world experts on a variety of topics. A few of those have been devoted to pain. And there's one I always recommend, and it's by an Australian pain researcher named Lorimer Moseley, M-O-S-E-L-E-Y. And Mosley started out his career as a physical therapist, practiced for several years, went back to school, got a PhD in neuroscience with a special interest in pain. He's hilarious. He's an Aussie. He could do stand-up comedy, and he tells a wonderful, hilarious story, and you wouldn't think so, about being bit by the second most venomous snake in the world while he was out in the bush, but he uses it to illustrate the nature of pain and the brain-based nature of pain really well. Learning and hearing about him and about that way of thinking about the pain as a brain-based phenomena, to me, is very empowering. Because then it puts a little bit more in the driver's seat as far as things that I can do. And it helps me to understand things like when I'm really engrossed in something, often the pain takes a a, a back burner a little bit, but when my full attention's on it, it's markedly worse. So putting my attention on something else or on it doesn't change how my MRI looks. You know, I tell people if you say, well, you know, my, my pain really hurts a lot more when I walk. And I say, why do you think that is? And they say, well, I have degenerative disc disease, especially this L45S1 area. And I say, do you think that the MRI of your lumbar spine looks any different after walking 15 minutes? And they look at me like, what are you talking about? And I say, do you think so? And they say, probably not. And I say, what do you think is going on? Because if it's all coming from there, if it, if it's worse, surely we could see that. But really what it is, I think, is that the pain alarm system is getting triggered. If I could somehow change the settings on that alarm system, that would be really useful. That might allow me to gradually tolerate a little more and a little more and a little more without uh, crashing the system. And that's what Mosley's approach is. But he didn't invent that. Modern pain treatment was developed by a psychologist named Wilbert Fordyce and an anesthesiologist named John Bonica. And they developed the first interdisciplinary pain program in the United States at University of Washington back in the late 60s and early 70s. And I'm old enough, Sam, to have been the clinical director and program director and staff psychologist of these old-time interdisciplinary programs where the emphasis was on function first and pain level second, not pain control first and functioning second. And when we had that order of function first, people were almost always, if they stuck, st- stayed with it, able to get over what I call the pain, pain speed bump, where they could both do more and not hurt more. So that's a very good place to start with Mosley and, and just a brainwave, excuse me, a brain-based pattern. There's also a, a good website that pulls together a lot of this stuff. Unfortunately, not all their videos are still up, but it's called Neuroplastics, N E U R O. P-L-A-S-T-I-X, neuroplastics.com. And it has a tremendous treasure trove of information about pain and uh, different psychological and other approaches to understanding it and treating it. Very comprehensive. And then if you're interested in hypnosis, there's a lot of resources out there. Again, back to Dr. Spiegel, there is a, a an institute called the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis, and you can look that up and find providers. The National Guild of Hypnotists also has a lot of good information as far as specific interest in hypnosis per se. And then the mindfulness-based stress reduction is available through both uh, Duke Center for Integrative Medicine and through UNC, as well as some other private providers. And most of that's available online now. I did the instructor training track at, at the Center for Integrative Medicine, I think in 2007 or 8 or something like that. And I found it to be very helpful, and I could certainly recommend that. But there are many other good good programs around as well.
0: Great stuff. Dr. Phillips, thank you so much for being with us today. I know people are going to benefit from this, and I'm excited to get it on the air.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, and hope it was helpful to whoever listens.
0: Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Extremities in the Carolinas, Trauma for General Orthopedics, the Charlotte Conference, May 21st and 22nd, 2021. Check out the paos.org website for details.